You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast, brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you are into hunting, fishing, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their communities for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for Conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. Gentlemen, happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Mark Schewing. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Ed Speakman, and Ed is the founder uh, and owner of Our Grounds Coffee, and as you may have guessed, we get to talk about uh, coffee and conservation today, Uh, like a lot of our past guests uh, who are involved in the coffee trade, um, and Ed had first reached out to me, uh, we, we kind of get into it during the episode here, but probably, gosh, close to a year ago, I would say, and he had kind of reached out with some questions uh, regarding 2% for conservation and how to get certified and a little bit more um, about that. And, you know, I told him uh, at the time what I knew and really kind of the best way to go about uh, getting in touch with Jared uh, over at 2% and what that looks like. And yeah, here we are now, uh, you know, sometime later and he's a 2% certified brand and things are, are really kind of booming and, uh, and taking off for Ed. And we get to have just a, a really good conversation. We kind of get into the nitty gritty of, of coffee and things like that, which is, is always fun for me, uh, because I get to learn something more about something that, uh, that I think is pretty cool and drinking your own coffee, drinking coffee and, you know, roasting your own beans and things like that. And, you know, the process that, uh, Ed went through, um, to get his company, uh, up and running. And we also get into some of the, uh, obstacles he, uh, not only has had to overcome in the past, but that he's currently working through right now. Uh, and then like a lot of conversations, uh, that I'm fortunate enough to have on here, we get to talk about, um, you know, why conservation plays such an important role, um, with Ed and, and with the company and really kind of the turning point for Ed, um, in terms of his journey, 
um, with conservation and, and wanting to make sure that we are preserving these places and these animals and all these things that we all love and enjoy so much. So really it was, uh, it was, it was a really fun conversation. I think, um, we, we talked for close to an hour and we recorded this, um, in the evening, uh, and it was getting late. And, you know, when we got done recording, I told that I'm like, you know, shoot, we could have went easily for another hour, uh, without really even breaking stride. Uh, but certainly wanted to, uh, respect his time. Um, but yeah, just a, a great episode. Um, if you haven't, uh, be sure to check out our, our grounds coffee, uh, pick up a bag because it's, uh, it's some great stuff. So episode 147 with Ed Speakman, uh, enjoy. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by my friends over at Go Hunt. Now is the perfect time to gear up for, we've got spring bear season, spring turkey season. If you're already starting your scouting for next fall, uh, be sure to sign up and become a Go Hunt insider and really increase your odds and get all the information that you need for uh, any one of the uh, western states that you may be visiting next year or even some that are uh, kind of bordering on the Midwest that they've added to their uh, to their lineup here in recent months as well. But head over to GoHunt.com and check them out. All right, Ed Speakman, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you tonight? What's up? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I know we had first kind of touched base or connected, oh man, what's a couple months? It, it feels like only a couple months, but then at the same time, like it feels like it was also longer than that ago when you had uh, reached out um, to get some information about 2% and all that stuff. Yeah. And yeah, lo and behold, however long later, here we are, man. Yeah, I think it was like when I first started. I think it was like a year ago at this point, almost a year ago. It doesn't feel like it was God. that long ago, but I think I had just no, started. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And I mean, we've kind of, we've kind of shot some messages back and forth, uh, you know, since then. Um, so before we get into our, our grounds coffee, your company, tell me, tell the listeners a bit about yourself, man. How, uh, you know, what, from the outdoor standpoint, like what, what did that look like to you? How did you get introduced to it? You know, kind of walk me through from when you got started. Yeah. So I've, uh, I've been hunting for a while. Um, just kind of hunting and fishing locally. Uh, my grandfather has a, uh, a pretty decent sized property upstate Pennsylvania. So I kind of grew up in that like upstate deer camp kind of thing. Um, they, gosh, I guess we haven't done that in quite a while, but we, we, we hunt a lot locally. Um, just picked up a bird dog. So I'm kind of diving into that right now, along oh, with the coffee, trying to figure out kind of what I'm doing at all. How to balance it all. Yeah. yeah. Trying not even the balancing part. I'm just trying to teach this dog to listen to me a little bit. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So just kind of the normal PA kind of backcountry hunter kind of guy. Yeah, no, I can appreciate that. So, uh, the guest I just had on for the episode that dropped, uh, I guess the week that we're recording this, uh, he's a Pennsylvania kid as well. And the more we kind of got to talking and they, Pennsylvania and Michigan have so much in common when it comes to like tradition, number of hunters, like the deer camp five, like all that stuff. So it's, it's always nice to, to talk to someone, even with, you know, even though you're in another state, like we still have a lot of similarities yeah. with how we kind of approach deer hunting and, and just the outdoors in general, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of like the same, we're like the same group of people, to be honest with you. Like <laughs> it's like, just a few states away. I feel like everybody that I talk to, it's like, I want to say like in the industry, cause that kind of sounds lame, but like, yeah everybody is from Pennsylvania or Michigan. It seems like <laughs> it's just yeah. a huge whitetail following, I guess. It is. It is. And <laughs> I, going back to it, like the, there's just such a tradition around, especially whitetail hunting. Like I recall growing up, like that was kind of like a rite of passage, right? Like being able to go to deer camp with like my dad, my uncle, my grandpa, all of them. And it's funny. Like I look back on it now, you know, shit I, I just turned 40 so uh what 30 years ago probably not 15 we'll say 25 years ago probably when i was like you know early teens or whatnot yeah yeah and like all the stuff that they would talk about and i would i remember just kind of like sitting there like a fly on the wall like listening and then you get to be like 25 and you're like oh that's oh, what they it. were talking about right yeah a lot of those jokes kind of uh land yeah. 10 years later <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, the one thing I remember from being a kid at like deer camp was just being terrified in the morning. Like when I walked out oh, yeah. in the dark, just being terrified as a kid, like 
And now that I look back on it, it's just kind of silly. I mean, there was nothing up there that was going to get you. I mean, there was bears, and I guess I, they talk about mountain lions being in Pennsylvania. I don't know, like, if that's a true statement or a false statement. I've never <laughs> seen one. But, like, just the fear of walking out in the dark and being comfortable with, like, being in the dark by myself. It was, like, a huge uh, – it almost felt like like a like almost like a rite of passage, like you said. Like I'm gonna walk to the stand by myself today, <laughs> like yeah. you know. But it grew up in the same kind of the same kind of environment. Yeah, you know it's it's funny. I mean, even I mean it's been a while, but depending upon like where I would hunt, there'd be times where it was just like so dead quiet. And I mean, it's always dead quiet, yeah. you know, when you're getting in getting in that early. But there's still sometimes the the dark. And it's not even the dark. I think it's just like the quiet, the still, which, you know, once I'm up in the tree stand, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Oh, I'm safe. Like that walk it. out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That walk out there when all you can hear is like your own footsteps. It's like, this is a little eerie. Eerie, right? right? You know, especially if you got, you know, bears potentially yeah. in the area. I mean, the likelihood is so low that you're going to yeah. really encounter one. If but, you get scratched up by a bear, it was just kind of like meant to be. <laughs> like, you know yeah. what I mean? Especially, you know, not by any means do I want it to happen, but like, it was just kind of meant to be if that was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you run into, a, if you have an encounter with a black bear and you live to tell the story, like you should probably buy a lotto ticket that night. Cause yeah. I feel like the odds are about the same, right? Yeah. And I'm going to make a t-shirt that says, I, I survived the black bear. Like I'm going to tell everybody. Yeah. It's the first thing I'm telling everybody. <laughs> like, Yeah. Boy, do I got a story for mm-hmm. you. Um, for So for those of you listening, uh, Ed and I can see each other, but uh, we're not recording like a video per se. Uh, but it's 840 at night and my man is taking back coffee. Yeah. Like it's a glass of water. So that's it. I, like, I, I mean, I mentioned it before we recorded, man, but that, I'm impressed. I mean, I can drink coffee into the afternoon, but I don't know if I could pour myself a cup this late at night and still oh, get man. some form of sleep. I like just go completely like <laughs> I like start my day at three thirty for work and then I get added to, I do coffee stuff or, or I, you know, working on training the dog right now a little bit before I pick the kids up at four. And that's just like, everybody's a regular afternoon. You, know, you got the kids, the dog, you're cooking dinner, you're doing this, you're doing that. You're filling coffee orders, whatever you're doing. And, uh, it just, I don't think it does anything for me anymore. I drink so much of it. Yeah. <laughs> So let, let's let's kind of piggyback off that. Let's get into the coffee topic. So Our Grounds Coffee, your brand, your company, how did all that come to be? I mean, clearly, if you, you know, you just kind of described your schedule. So you're you're an early bird. I get that. Yeah. I can appreciate that. And coffee's obviously got to be just, even before the, the brand and the company, like just a, a mainstay. It's mission. Thermos it's or, mission critical. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good way to put yeah. it. So what what made you decide to kind of take that leap and to start your own brand and, and, and what made you choose coffee? Yeah, I mean, I used to be like just the guy that would drink any coffee, like any shitty cup. Of, am I like you want me to curse on here or no? Yeah, you're good, man. Okay. You're good. Any shitty <laughs> cup of coffee there is, like I'm drinking. If it's hot, I'm drinking it. Um, And then I had craft coffee one time and I just, it completely changed my... I guess my view on what coffee should taste like or what really is. Yeah. Um, and around the same time I watched, I guess it was something on YouTube. It was with Evan Hafer and he was Evan Hafer from black rifle coffee. Right. And he right. was roasting coffee, uh, raw coffee beans in a cast iron pan on a fire. And I was like, well, shit, I can do that. <laughs> so I ordered green <laughs> beans and I did it upstairs on my electric stove with a pan and smoked my whole house out you know, set the fire alarms off. Like it was of course. a complete disaster. It was terrible. Um, and then I tried it again outside, a little smarter this time. I did it outside just over the fire, <laughs> kind of like he did. And I drank it. I was like, wow, this is like, this is pretty good. And like, this is like half together good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and then I just kind of spiraled from there. I was just obsessed with it. I was ordering coffee from all over the world. I would go on these coffee forums. Like it only it like took me over kind of like hunting and fishing does and now like bird hunting does with the dog. Like I yeah. just, I'm very so much so like this is what I'm doing right now. I learned how to fly fish. This is what I'm doing right now. I learned how to bow hunt. This is what I'm doing. And then coffee was just like one of those stages. And then I I saw what Black Rifle was doing like in the industry, I guess like the veteran 
I don't want to call it the veteran industry, but like for veterans and veterans. Right. And um, I was like, that's kind of cool. Nobody really does that in the outdoors. And this was before Black Rifle Coffee really got into the outdoors because now they're pretty heavy into it. Right. Um, right. Which I think is great. And uh, and I was like, well, let me just try that, you know. And I had never heard of. I think I listened to your podcast with the guys from Dark Timber. Okay. Yeah. And the, I mean, I was listening to their story. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I never heard of them. And then I was like, well, nobody does it on the East Coast. You know, yeah, like, nobody does it for white tails. Um, so I was like, you know, let's just do a coffee brand. I'll just sell it to like my friends and my family. So I bought a sack of coffee. So it's like 160 pounds of coffee. And uh, I sold so it. Much coffee. <laughs> it seems like a, a whole lot of coffee. It does. Yeah. But Until like, you start divvying it up. But yeah, just and, a 160 pound bag of beans. Mm-hmm. Just kind of got dropped on my driveway. <laughs> you know, and I, I lug it inside <laughs> and uh I, and I had this little tiny roaster and I was just roasting coffee for friends. And I sold like, so like you get a 160 pound bag and it really only yields like 135 bags, depending on the roast you're doing. It only holds, yields a certain amount of bags of coffee, right. but I sold the whole sack in like less than 24 hours. So I was like, oh, wow. wow. And this was like a lot of pity buys. You know what I mean? Like I made a post, like hey. my aunt and uncle and cousins, like, I got a ton of support from like my family and my close friends and like a lot of ball busting from my other friends, like, you know, so, but tons of support. And uh, I was like, well, that was cool. Let's do it again. And I just did it again and again and again. And now it's just kind of like, it just kind of turned into something. I was like, all right, well, let's see. I, I kind of hate my job now that I'm at because it's not what I want to be doing. And if I can make this work, let's make this work, you know? And, uh, just kind of went from there and just started all organically on Instagram. Like we're still super small. You know what I mean? We sell a lot more coffee than what, like our, I guess our following shows, you know, that we have, Yeah. but, um, we, we do pretty good. Um, and we have a lot of big changes going on right now. Our, our roaster. So I got to a point where I was too big to be roasting on the machine that I had. I was just, I would be roasting literally 24 seven and I couldn't keep yeah. up. Um, so I rented a roaster at a local roastery and the guy was super cool. I got my coffee beans all shipped there. I'd go in, I'd, ro- I'd roast on his machine, and he kind of like up and nowhere quit on me. I guess it was oh, no, it was like two months ago. He calls okay. me, and I have a whole bunch of coffee, and I'm getting ready to come over. And I'm like confirming with him that I can get in, and he goes, "I didn't tell you we're going out of business." I was like, "Okay, well, like when?" He's like, "It was last week," and I'm like, "Well, that's super." <laughs> I mean, we went out of business. Yeah, Not we're like, going. We went. <laughs> that's super unfortunate. So I had to, I had to refund a ton of coffee to people. I had like, I had a ton of orders open and I had to refund it all. And it kind of killed me a little bit inside. And at this point, the roasters are really expensive. Um, And I also don't have a facility. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I'm I'm doing this all out of my house. Like, um, so right now we're, we're not, the coffee's not up on the website right now. All our gear and stuff is, uh, but that's because that's through like a third party. It's all drop shipped out of a, right, another right, warehouse in North Carolina. And uh, so right now I'm renovating the basement on the other side and I bought a roaster um, from Italy. So it's on its way here. <laughs> I took the plunge, man. You so, went, you went all in. Yeah. We're, we're, I mean, it's, it was, we were at a point, I was at a point though, where it was like, am I going to try to do this? Like, can I do this? Could this work? Or am I not going to? And I still don't know if it's going to work, but I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm 30 years old. Uh, I've been working at the same place. I have a good job that most people would really like, you know what I mean? Or really want like money wise. And it's super convenient. It's right up the road. Um, it's just not what I want to do. You know what I mean? I want to like talk to guys like you all day and like sell coffee, roast coffee. Um, but if you, yeah, if you can use that though, to fund your current, you know, to fund, you know, the hunting, the fishing, the coffee, all that good stuff. And so it gets to the point, right. Where you can make that transition. I mean, might as well ride it to the wheels fall off, right? Hundred percent. And I mean, there's tons yeah. of people that make a living selling coffee. It's oh, yeah. not like it's a, sure. a rare thing. Most people just don't know anybody that roasts coffee. But you go down to the supermarket, there's there's fifty different companies. Just to, yeah, it, the whole aisle is coffee, and it's they're all different yeah. companies for the most part, you know. Um, and the sad thing is, is most of them are not that good. It's They've all been sitting there for. I, yeah, that's the thing. I hesitate to say it, but it's all pretty terrible. Like it is. Like I don't have any coffee right now. Like of my coffee. And like I'm just uh-huh. like thumbing like I tried the supermarket thing and like I gave up. I was like, nothing here is like cutting it. Like it was tearing my stomach up and stuff because the acid it was just super acidy and 
it just wasn't fresh, you know? Yeah. Um, so now I just go to like people that I've met, like in the coffee industry and buy from their okay. groceries and it's fine, but it's not convenient at all for me. You know, I, I'm oh, not, no. I don't want to like sign up for a subscription with somebody. And I mean, in another month, I'm going to be back up and running. I hope. So it's like, okay. I'm just going to grind it out for another month. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we're, we got a lot going on building the basement out, you know, raising babies, teaching a dog, how oh. to hunt, being a husband, like <laughs> we're grinding. The American dream, baby. Yeah, I mean, we're grinding. You know, it's interesting um, when you talked about kind of the path that led you to, to trying good coffee or to, to having, you know, to, to, to having good coffee, I guess it was. I was the same way. Like it was for me for a long time, it was just more, it was habit. Um, it, it was like you said, it was mission critical, right? Like yeah. early mornings, long days, coffee all day. Like I worked, you know, I, I've had a multitude of jobs over the years and one particular, I was working, um, in manufacturing. Uh, I was like a project manager with this manufacturing company. And so you've got like the upstairs of the building is like office space and like the engineers and everything are up there. And yeah. then down, on the, down on this, on the, you know, main floor, or whatever is where like the manufacturing is. It's where, you know, all the machines are. And it's exactly, that's what where the coffee it's exactly what I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, but all the coffee was always downstairs uh-huh. and some of them old timers down there that are, you know, running machines, running mills and lays and mm-hmm. all that stuff that have been doing it for 50 years. Like they like their coffee a certain way. Yeah. Which is fine. Like I'm, I'm cool with a strong cup of coffee. Yeah. But we're making it with Folgers that yeah. we bought in bulk at Costco. Yeah. Right. Like, this shit's probably like I, I couldn't even fathom a year how old. old it is. It's probably we, a year yeah. Old. If it's a Costco, it's yeah. probably a year old. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't care. I just drank it, yeah. you know. And then you get to a point, you're like, yeah, this isn't that bad, yeah. right? Like you get so used to it. Yeah. And one of gosh, it may have been the first or second coffee company that I had on the podcast. Um, we we kind of were diving into things, and they were like. Have you ever have you ever had pour over coffee? I was like, I don't even know what pour over coffee is. The right? hipster stuff is that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Um, and they're like, no, like you've got to try it. Um, they're like, I'm telling you, like it's just it's just going to make your coffee so much better. They're like, grind your own beans. Make sure that you have you know that they're fresh inside of a couple of weeks from when they were roasted. And they're like, I'm telling you, you'll never go back. Yeah. And that was like three years ago. Yeah. And I haven't looked back. Uh-huh. And it's like. I mean, I did the Keurig for a long time, just more out of convenience than anything. And yeah, I won't, I mean, I will drink other coffee. I don't want to be like, yeah. snob about it, yeah. but if I'm at home, I'm making pour over yeah. every morning. What do you use? No, I have, uh, what is my, I just grind it. Uh, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. The camera. Yeah, it's almost like, in yeah, thing. yeah. I've yeah. seen, I was going to say, I've Actually, seen your videos. So yeah. Yeah. I don't have one sitting same, behind me, but yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Um, and it comes with like its own, like, uh, stainless steel filter, uh-huh. but I prefer to put my own in there. Yeah. Just yeah my own paper get rid filter. of that like, stainless steel one. Just use a paper. One. Yeah. There's so much. Yeah. Better. I feel like, yeah. And I feel like it slows down the pour yep. as you well. Extract, so it's not. Right. So like, if, I'll talk to me. I'll yeah. geek out a little bit, but like, no, go so give it to me, man. There's like, you're just not getting the extraction of the beans. So there's like full immersion and then there's like pour over, which you're, you're just kind of pouring through the grinds. The full immersion is like your French press, you know what I mean? So if you like a super yeah. bold, um, like heavier coffee almost, um, like French press is the way, but like a more light, airy tasting coffee is through a pour over. And I'm a huge pour over guy. Uh, I just don't have any filters. Yeah. That's why I grabbed the chem or the. <laughs> excuse me, French press this morning or this afternoon. And, um, so yeah, the, the you're going to get a lighter, um, you get more floral flavors out of the coffee. Uh, it, it, it all depends yeah. on like, what are you looking for in your coffee? Like, are you looking for a darker chocolate or like a nutty, darker flavor? Or are you looking for a fruitier, uh, like floral flavor, almost like a sour flavor in some kind of coffees? Uh, they're great out of a pour over. I don't love yeah. like a light roast in a in a french press i just think it's kind of like counterintuitive i'm losing a lot of the flavors um but with the pour over it's like medium and light is like my way to go my go-to is a pour over it's either a chemex or like a v60 pour over thing uh and then my darker roast that i'm looking like uh my like my heavier roast my darker roast uh they're all going through a french press for the most part but yeah 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 
So I, I would say I'm uh, from a, a style of, of coffee standpoint, I'm definitely more in the medium, medium dark. Uh-huh. Uh, that's just kind of, but I like the, the, the more traditional yeah. flavor, like the well, kind of the chocolatey, the nutty. Yeah. Yep, that's right? like the that's, American palate. Like my yeah. dark roast, my medium roast, my roast develop is my, like my staple is my first one. Yeah. And Which I've had. Yep. That's I sell a ton of that. And oh, yeah. that's right. You did. You did. Hey, you have had the coffee. Haven't you? Yeah. I, have it. I sell a ton of that, but the dark roast people really, really like, but we've, we're kind of Americanized in our coffee. When you go to like Europe, maybe not even Europe, but like, uh, like South America, their coffees are like a lot more lighter. They're almost like a tea yeah. when they drink them. Uh, here, like we're so used to that, like I hate to say, but Starbucks kind of like their stuff's all like dark and burnt almost in a way. Yeah. Um, and that's it's, like the American. I'm, I'm not a huge fan either. I mean, Starbucks does do some things right, in my opinion. Like their nitro brews, I think, are excellent. Um, they crack, man. Nitro cool. Oh, dude, man. they're good, aren't they? <laughs> I, I I was on uh, Amazon the other day, and there's this little thing that one of my buddies has, and you put like just a, a can of beer in it, and it'll it has a tap on the top, and it kind of like what's that called, like air turns the beer into a draft beer you know okay. it's like a, right, it's like a you. keg but you just use a can of beer and you stick it in the bottom of it and i ordered one of those the other day because i'm gonna try to do it with a cup of coffee and kind of oh, see boy. what happens because i don't have like a kegerator you know like yeah college we had a kegerator i don't have one here <laughs> not yet at least <laughs> i don't um, have one at home yeah i'll have one <laughs> soon but it's gonna probably be full of coffee <laughs> all right but um like anyway starbucks kind of move the needle for america towards that darker more bitter roast and and so did you know like the old school deer camp guy like i'm drinking yeah. my coffee black i want you know i want you to put too much coffee in and less water and i want it to be strong and that's just yeah. kind of the way uh like america enjoys their coffee yeah yeah and going back to what you were talking about with with someone like the lighter roasts that have more of the the fruity or floral kind of flavor profiles um i definitely noticed now that you when you when you kind of brought up the point there about those you know the the lighter you know light to medium roasts like do really do really well with pour over i've noticed that like in in hindsight when i have some of those coffees that are yeah more florally notes uh you know more Fruity flavor, not fruity flavors that have like more of the those yeah. note those types of notes in them. Berries and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 And they, like you said it perfectly, like they almost have like that sour taste to it. Mm-hmm. Um, those are not my jam. No. Those are they're most no. people they're not. Like I have this, yeah. I had this light roast coming out called Color Phase. Um and I think it is so good. I'm a little worried that it's too far this way for people you know what i mean like too far off the reservation for people um but i think it's kind of for a certain kind of person you know and the mealy mayhem and the roast of that will still be there they'll probably roast of that's probably always gonna be my staple because people love the the teddy roosevelt logo and kind of what he's you know what i mean like what he represents and all um so that's like usually the first one people buy but i kind of want to just slowly pull people towards this other side because one, yeah. I'm more interested in roasting it. Uh, like I think dark roasts are cool. Um, I think they taste good, but I think people are. I just want to kind of open people's eyes, but I have to do it slowly. I can't like yeah. throw a crazy like tangy sour coffee at people because if they're not coffee geeks, they're not gonna they're not gonna go for it. You know what I mean? So little yeah. by little, I'm gonna try to pull people this way with me towards the light roast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean for. Like, so I, I make the comparison, like, so imagine your entire life, you've drank Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors, you know, Bush, you know, whatever, you know, a lot of those very kind of household name light yeah. beers. And then all of a sudden you just like pick up an IPA right? and you're like, what pick, the hell is yeah. this? You right? pick like, up a Trogues or something and you're like, what the hell is this thing? Pick up a Two Hearted and all of a sudden yeah. you go, what was that? Right, right. Right. Yeah, you, you have to, you can't just dive into the deep end either way. Like, especially if you've been pretty middle of the road with yeah. what you've been drinking, uh, whether it's shit coffee or whether it's good coffee, like you gotta, yeah. it's gotta be a slow, a slow progression one way or the other. Right. How long, so I noticed something like when I, when I get coffee that the beans, sometimes they're, 
you know, the, the brown in it, it's a very flat brown. Mm-hmm. And then other times it's got a real sheen to it. What's the difference there or why is that? So there's like probably, there's probably just like a slight inconsistency in the roast. Um, okay. Ideally, you want every single bean to look exactly the same. Yeah. But that is very challenging to do. Yeah, you, you know, oh, I bet. and it takes a lot of time to hone that. And it depends on, you know, how hot the roaster is and how how hot the ambient temperature is inside the roaster and keeping it that same consistent temperature and then cooling all the beans down at the same time. A lot of times that's what happens is they, it's called carryover cook. So it's just like if you cast, cook in a cast iron pan and you mm-hmm. cook a steak in there, you get it right where you want it, and then you just pull the, the steak off the burner or the pan off the burner and let it sit in the pan. It's still going to cook. It's going right. to carry over cook. Or even like when you cook a brisket, you pull it out and you let it rest or any piece of meat, you let it rest and you let it kind of finish its cook. That's what you're doing mm-hmm. with the beans, but with the beans, you want to cool them off as quick as you can. Okay. That's because that, that's like when you see the when you see a coffee, you know what a coffee roaster looks like, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you lift that handle, the beans fall out of the front of it, and they fall into that big tray. And there's an auger inside of it that just yeah. turns the beans, and there's usually a vacuum hooked up to the bottom of it, and it's okay. sucking the air back through and cooling the beans off as quick as it can. Okay. That's so you, you yeah. can get that consistent cook. Like you finish it at whatever temperature you're, do, you're going for roast wise or whatever length of time you need to get the beans. Like your beans are done. You need to get them cool and you need to get this, the cooking stopping or the mylar reaction stopping. Okay. So th- that can be it. Um, it's typically just inconsistency in roasting. Yeah. <sighs> God, I had a question on the tip of my tongue, but when you're, when you're cooling them down like that, or I guess, no, 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 here's, here's my question. When you're, you're roasting these beans now, depending upon whether you're going for like a lighter roast or a darker roast, because I know the flavor essentially comes from the beans and the soil and everything that it was growing. Yeah. Grown in, everything. Correct? Yep. Yeah. Okay. When you're, when you're roasting them, does a lot of whether you're again, going to that, whether it's a light roast or medium or dark, is that based on like the temperature that you're roasting those beans up to? It's usually length of time it's in the roaster. It's basically how long it's in the oven, essentially. Okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And all beans kind of are different. That's what you you try out a lot of beans. Like, I'm not by any means um, like a master roaster. I haven't been roasting coffee really all that long. I just, like I said, I just get obsessed with something and I just do it until I figure it out. Um, And that's kind of how the coffee thing is. So there's a lot I still have to learn yet about roasting coffee. I can just do it good enough to sell to people. You know what I mean? Yeah. People seem to enjoy it. So I'm just going to keep rocking. Good place it. to start. Um, but. Same. Um, no, it's all right. Oh, um, the length of the roast. So all the yeah. beans are going to react different. So when I get, I'll order a sample pack of coffee or whatever, and I'll just roast it a ton of different ways. So I got my okay. Colombian um, from Colombia and for roast belt, I mean, and I just, I roasted it light, I roasted it medium, I roasted it dark, I roasted espresso, full city, like all that, just to kind of see how the bean tastes. And I do that with every bean I get. I get it and I just roast the hell out of it. And whatever way I think it turns out the best or whatever way I'm pulling the the flavor profiles from the, or the tasting notes from the coffee is the way I usually run with it. Yeah. How long, so, you know, you came out with the roast about, and then, um, your dark roast, Muley Madness, is that what it's Muley Mayhem. Muley Mayhem, yep. excuse me. Yeah. Um, how long did that take to kind of develop Mayhem until, you know, how many different iterations of, of roasting and, and time did you go through before, you know, you found that sweet spot before you said, okay, this is what I'm looking for. Uh, so it didn't take a ton, actually. I, um, I went in with an idea of what I was looking for. Um, mm-hmm. and the farm that I sourced it from that there's, there's so much that goes into just growing a coffee bean. So a lot of times you'll have a really good idea of what that bean is going to be like before you even put it into your roaster. Cause the, the farmer you're working with or uh, like the buying agent, whoever you're working with, they give you tasting notes on all the coffee. So you have kind of an idea of what you're going to get. Um, and then you just kind of take it whichever way you like it. You know, you, this bean tastes better light. This bean tastes better dark. Um, it usually doesn't take me terribly long. But that's because I drink so much coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah clearly. You know what I mean? And there's like, I don't know if you've ever seen people cup coffee before. Yeah, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. roast a bunch of different coffees. And cupping is just a, a way to taste coffee. Um, there's like a certain weight of coffee to a certain amount of water at a certain temperature. 
and then you just have a bunch of cups lined up and you have a spoon. Um, and if you're a real hipster, you have a golden spoon because it's tasteless and you're, you're taking just a little bit off the top and you kind of like aspirate it or slurp it. It drives my wife nuts when I do it, but you just like, <laughs> and you slurp it and you kind of like aspirate it to the back of your throat and it like lights your nostrils up with the flavors of the coffee. And that's kind of okay. like how you taste side by side by side. Cause a lot of times, like if I handed you a cup of coffee and I said, Hey, what are you tasting in this? You're going to tell me coffee. You know, you're not going right. to tell me like, Oh, milk chocolate with a touch of orange peel. Like, yeah. You know, the coffee that I'm tasting it. Mm, yes, delicious. It's delicious. Right. <laughs> so like you taste a bunch. It's just like bourbon. Like I'm super into bourbon too. And you don't really tell the difference in bourbons until you're drinking them side by side, at least for yeah. me. Um, so you yeah, can taste no, like, same way. you know what I'm talking about. So you can kind of yeah. taste like the different nuances of every one uh, when you're drinking them that close together. Yeah. Not like, oh, I'm yeah, going to have what... a cup in the morning and then have a cup in the afternoon. Because I already forget what the cup in the morning tasted like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it's already worked its way through your system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the bourbon, I I, I mean, I've got uh, four or five bottles in, in the cabinet right now, different ones. And I find that once I crack into one, I want to finish it before I move on to the next one. Oh, Just because, like, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's, and it's not even... Like, oh, I just, I open it, so I've got to drink it. It's, I'll have, like, a glass at night, and I'm just like, God, that was good. Yeah. Right? Like, I enjoyed yeah. that. So, like, the next night, you know, or whenever I go back to the cupboard for another glass, I'm like, it, it's probably recency bias more than yeah, anything. Yeah, I want that same like, experience oh, that was, again. Right. Yeah, like, that was a good, that was a good glass. Um, but, yeah, I, I can, I, maybe I'll start doing that. Maybe yeah. Just take a little, Try little smaller pour. Even with bourbon. Like when you open a bottle, you're, it's going to change a little bit. Oh yeah. Like as the air, like oxygenates, like they say, like if you drink a bottle, who's that? So my boss at work is like a huge bourbon junkie. Like his okay. basement looks like a total wine. Like it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, so this is why I get to taste all the crazy bourbons. I probably have like maybe 10 bottles, which I feel like is a lot for just like a guy, you know what I mean? But like, it is not, for, <laughs> but, but it's not for like a bourbon guy. Like if you're a real yeah. true bourbon guy, you have a cupboard full. Um, yeah. he, he probably has, I don't even know, 20 grand worth of bourbon in his basement. Like it's his thing though. He has like a YouTube channel now. Like he just started. Oh, okay. So like, it's his thing, you know, it's his hobby. Um, but they say, if you drink, if you drink a certain amount of it, over half of it, I think you're supposed to drink it as quick as you can. After that, okay. or else it starts to change a lot from all the oxygen in the bottle, you okay. know, because there's more oxygen once you cork it. But I, like, again, I don't, I'm not that good at drinking bourbon or know that much about <laughs> drinking bourbon to where I should, yeah. I should even be talking about what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> Have you ever heard of guys, um, like, you know, say you got a bottle of bourbon or whatever and you get down to, I don't know, like the last little bit, right? Uh, not enough for a glass, although I don't know why you'd ever leave enough in the bottle for not a glass, not a glass. Like, just take a right yeah just take a strong pour take like, a heavy one at the, the end of the night right yeah exactly but what guys will do a uh, guy at work just he told me he was doing this where you know he just took like an old bourbon bottle and then like if he's got a little bit left or maybe he's doing it purposely like leaving a little bit left at the uh-huh. bottom and then he's just pouring all of them mixing it one all bottle. in one bottle i have heard of people yeah 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 i don't know like if it's supposed to be some like crazy good concoction by the time it's all said and done or how long you wait to next, gosh, to fill up a bottle of bourbon with leftover bourbon. Leftover like, bourbon. You'd have to take me forever. <laughs> like, exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's, um, that's an interesting way to, to do it and to really, uh, whether it's bourbon or coffee yeah. to, to get the differences really side by side. Yeah. What's your go-to drink bourbon wise? Do you have a go-to? <sighs> it's been old Forrester 1920 mm-hmm. lately. Yeah. Um, Easy for me to find. Yeah. You know, the price point is right, and it's just a good glass. What about yourself? Yeah. Uh, so I'm a big fan of, like, the Buffalo Trace line. Um, yeah. Blanton's is always real good. Um, yep. I just had the um, Knob Creek Double Oak, and it was okay. It was killer. Uh, but it was, was like it? a 200 and It was at my boss's house. But it was like a $200 bottle. Um, yeah. And for me to pull the trigger on a bottle of $200 bourbon, like, I got to be doing better than I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I some more coffee. The coffee business has really got to be doing good because I'm going to buy a bunch of other stuff before I'm going to buy a bottle of $200 bourbon. Um, yeah. But I'm a big Buffalo yeah. Trace guy, even just Buffalo Trace in general. Um, four yeah, Roses. That was, um, 
I've got a bottle. Yeah, probably she's probably halfway gone to Buffalo Trace in the cupboard right now. Yeah, I mean Buffalo Trace. Yeah, I mean it's it's really popular. It's it's an easy drinker. It's got a lot of flavor. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Like it doesn't taste. You know, gosh, because what is it? Twenty five, thirty bucks for a bottle? Something. Yeah, like that. it's only. I think it's only like 30, I think around me, like yeah, retail price is usually about thirty five, forty bucks. But yeah, which typically those aren't those aren't ones that you're going to be like i think like a 40 dollar well bottle of scotch bottle of vodka i mean it's probably decent but i don't know for whatever reason buffalo trace just seems to be like a yeah it seems to drink above its uh above its pay yeah or its cost, yeah I, I guess. no i agree but that's how a lot of those bourbons are a lot of those bourbons are really not that expensive like no a bottle of pappy is not thousands and thousands of dollars from the distillery no i think it's only like 80 bucks like it's just that hard to find you know and then have you had that before i haven't i haven't it's like all my i'm keep waiting for my boss to like take the bite (laughs) you know what i mean yeah like he's gonna be the one that gets it and if he blesses me with the taste of it that would be it but uh, i'm definitely not this coffee business needs to be unbelievable (laughs) booming yeah (laughs) so as far as the coffee company goes um and like the two percent certification part of everything like what are some of the like the well two-part question i guess one what made you decide to to go that route of becoming two percent certified and then also what organizations are are either going giving back to now or, or have intentions to and plan to get back to um so we've done a little bit of work with um backcountry hunters and anglers the kentucky chapter They've been putting okay. on this concert, and I'm not like a state sponsor with them or anything yet. Um, and I, maybe I will. Uh, I'm going to definitely be a state sponsor for Pennsylvania. Uh, this is because where I grew up and where we're at now. Yeah. Uh, but I actually just ran into this guy from Kentucky just on Facebook. And he messaged me and said, hey, we're doing this conservation and coffee. I'd love to buy coffee, like your coffee to have at our, our event or whatever. Um, and yeah. I just sent them coffee. I was just like, here, look, that's awesome. I'll send you guys coffee. Like. I like the idea of doing those kind of things because I think it's just kind of a cool way for outdoors men and women to get together and just talk conservation. Um, Absolutely. So I'm actually going to try to get something going in Pennsylvania like that. They don't do one because um, okay. they do a lot of like pint nights and stuff like that. And like, that's cool. Yeah. Like I look, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm down for a pint night. Like, um, <laughs> but I think the coffee. I'm not going to turn is, away a beer. No, absolutely not. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> so I'd like to do the same thing with coffee. I know he was doing his at Sportsman's Warehouse, I think. Uh, they rented like a section of Sportsman Warehouse and put on an event. They had wildlife biologists come out and talk from the area. Um, okay. And it seemed like a cool thing. I didn't go to it because it was in Kentucky. Um, could have yeah. swung by Buffalo Trace and then went, but. <laughs> yeah, could have made a weekend out of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but the 2% for conservation thing is just, it's a good way to accomplish the goal that I was already setting out to do before I even heard of the certification. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I heard. I guess I heard of it from your podcast. I just probably because a while ago yeah. at this point, I don't remember who I was listening to. Yeah, but I know like all these big companies do it. And I was like, well, I might as well do it. And it's not that much. It's not like I'm giving a ton of money away. I was giving more away, or I still do more than two percent of what I'm making anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. Most people do, yeah. which is I think is super cool. Which is great. That's the best part of it. Um, and it's a low standard. So like even, and I was a little scared. Like even if I have a bad month it's 2% is not that much. You know what I mean? Like yeah. of yeah, what I exactly. have. So like, if I can't do more a month, I can't, I don't have to like hold a standard up or put any more pressure on myself than I already have with, you know, a $10,000 rooster that I have to pay for and everything else. You know, I don't need any more <laughs> added pressure. This is just like something that I really want to do. And I think it's a good thing to be associated with, like as a business, Agreed. you know, yeah. anything that's Sitka and Stone Glacier and those guys are doing, I mean, they're like the forefront of the yeah. industry. They, they are at the end of the day, like this is just the clothing brands. Like they just kill the marketing side Uh, and like the bow companies, Matthews and stuff. They just kill the marketing side. So I'm just going to try to do exactly what they're doing. I don't need to come out here and like reinvent the wheel. Um, There's just not really a coffee company other than black rifle. That's doing kind of what I want to do. And then like dark timber is pretty big, I think. Um, Yeah. So I just, I just kind of want to join the party. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's no. I, I like that, and you made a good point there. With you know, because obviously 
the two percent is different for every company, right? You know, so if you've got a company like Sitka or Stone Glacier or someone like that, uh, Go Hunt, for example, another huge yeah. one that's part of two percent. You know, they're two percent. They're you know, well, actually, just one percent because it's one percent of your time, one yeah. percent of your your dollars. That one percent out of them is going to look a whole hell of a lot huh. different than one percent for you or for me, 100%. right? And and if they're doing it, like it, it almost feels like silly that that you know guys like us wouldn't wouldn't try to do that why and, wouldn't i right you know yeah exactly do our part um you know because when it comes to conservation like i've said it on the podcast before and i heard it from jared frazier the executive director there is that you know like conservation isn't a competition right like so right it doesn't matter how much you're giving as long as you're giving right as long as you're you're putting in the time you're putting in the effort like that's that's all that matters because you know maybe someone listens to this episode and, you know, maybe they have a company that's unrelated to the outdoors, whatever. Maybe they, you know, maybe it's just a buddy of yours or someone that knows you wants to listen to your episode and they have a small business or they're, or they're in the process of starting like a side project or something like that. And all of a sudden they're like, you know, they're an outdoorsman or an outdoors woman as well. And next thing you know, they're like, oh, I should look into that. Right. Like it's, it's amazing the snowball effect when you kind of put your mind towards good and, and the betterment, yeah. especially, you know, with, with fish and wildlife. So, right. And like this, this whole thing, I guess I kind of skipped over this point. The whole point of this coffee business for me was just to get into like the, in my entire life, I tried to like take from the industry. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I wanted to be like a sponsored shooter or I wanted to be yeah. like an Instagram, whatever. Um, yeah. I would never call myself like an influencer. But like, I, I always wanted to like take and I wanted stuff and I wanted, you know, free bows like Levi Morgan getting and Jesse yeah. Brawlwater and all that. Like, I think it's the coolest thing in the world. This is what these people do. Cam Haynes. Um, yeah. But I kind of got to a point where like, well, I'll just buy the stuff if I want the stuff. Like, I'll just save and I'll buy the stuff. And I'm just going to like do this thing and try to give back. And it really happened when I had kids. Like, I think I took for granted, like I hunted public land forever. You know, or I'm sorry, private land forever with my granddad's property and friend's property. And then we moved away to North Carolina and I got there. I was like, well, shit, where the hell am I going to hunt at this year? Yeah. You know, so then I like downloaded on X and just started hitting public land and I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm like, this is kind of awesome. Like <laughs> this stuff is here. And like, I was really into it. I've been at this point, I've probably been hunting for 10 years and like killed decent deer and you know, hunt every year a lot more than I would say the average guy hunts. Yeah. Um, and I was like, this is awesome. And I don't think people know about this, you know? And then like public land got really cool. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in the industry, it got super cool, but like, and the idea that this potentially couldn't be there for my kids, it like bothered me. So it kind of right. changed my entire perspective on like what I wanted out of the outdoors. Like now my kids are young. My son and I shot our first deer uh, together over this past year, and it was like the most unbelievable like experience of my huh? life. Right. So, it, like, we were sitting in a ground blind playing monster trucks. Like, he's four years old, and we get this deer on the ground, and I just couldn't believe it. Like, we were making so much noise, and he's like shooting his Nerf gun inside the ground blind. Like, and we're just having a ball, and it came together, and it was just an amazing thing. And I'd love for like my kids, I just want to make sure it's there for them, right. you know, and like my grandkids, kids and like your kids. And I just think right. it's super important. I think it, I think in a way it kind of just helps young men and young women turn into just like responsible people. And I just, it's, it's, it has a very profound effect on me and it, there's nothing else like it to me. And I just really want to make sure it's there. Um, but this whole thing started so I could do that more. Yeah. You know, I just wanted more time in the outdoors. Um, and I wanted to do it for a living. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I just wanted this call. We all do. Right, right, right. It's exactly. And, you know, I have this company, which I'm super passionate about coffee. Obviously, if I could just have both of these things that I love more than anything, come together and be a career for me. Like, I just can't think of a more satisfying uh, life, (laughs) you know, and it doesn't have to be a $200 million production. If I can make what I make now at the machine shop (laughs) selling coffee, like I I can't think of anything better, you know, 
besides maybe a hundred million. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you make a really good point there. The kind of that, that tipping point or that turning point for you when you had kids, your your situation changed in terms of like your your hunting access or, or things like that. And all of a sudden it it kind of opens your eyes a bit more because I had a, a very similar uh, transition. Um, you know, I, I grew up hunting both private and public. I mean, I grew up in rural Michigan. Um, you know, so again, you know, if you grew up in Pennsylvania, like probably very, very similar styles. Right. And, you know, I just, I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know when I was young and I got older and I got, I lost my dad. Uh, I mean, it's like four, 13 years ago. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it was a rough time, right? Sure. I mean, anyone who, who loses a parent, especially, yeah, sure. I mean, I, him and I were thick as thieves. I mean, yeah. he was, we were super close. Yeah. And, you know, but you, you, you kind of carry on, obviously. And the, the woods is obviously like a big reminder of, you know, everything that we did growing up and, you know, just a lot of really fond childhood memories and whatnot. And then I had kids and then it was like, oh shit, <laughs> right? Like, I want to, you know, give my kids the same experiences that my dad gave me, my grandpa gave me when I was young. And if I don't do something right, like, obviously I know I'm not, I'm not Randy Newberg. I'm not Steven Ronella. I'm not some of these guys out here who just have this incredible platform that are using it for good in terms of conservation in the outdoors, but I can do my part. Yeah. Right. And like, I got to the point where like, you know what, that's good enough for me. Right. If I'm doing my part, like that's all I can ask of myself. And that's, you know, when my kids get old enough to really understand like what conservation is and, you know, the outdoors and like what hunting means to, to us as a family, like hopefully they understand like, oh yeah, like he, you know, he tried to do his best to make sure that, you know, I could hunt the same property that he did when he was, you know, 14, 15 years old, yeah something like that. And yeah, it has, it's really profound. I mean, being a parent changes you anyway, oh my god but I don't think that especially for someone who, who grows up in the outdoors, the, the profound effect it's going to have on them becoming a parent and how that's going to just completely shift your, your outlook on those. I don't think, you know, guys like you and I were ready for that. Right. Yeah. We didn't see that. coming. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it completely caught me off guard. I mean, becoming a parent changes you like, yeah, indefinitely. Like <laughs> if it doesn't change you, you got a problem. Like, yeah, you know, what you I shouldn't mean? be a parent. You should yeah. you probably should not be in the situation you're in, but like, it just, yeah. it has such a, an effect on you. And then you just start thinking long-term, man. I'm not just mm-hmm. thinking about like this deer season, you know what I mean? Yeah. Really? At the end of the day, like fall, it, I am crazy about whitetails, but like I have so much other going on. That's like, great. Like mm-hmm. my son's going to play fall ball this year. Like, and that means a lot to me. I was a big baseball guy growing up. And then, you know, my daughter was going to get into lacrosse, like all these things that I have. And it just to be able to share one of those things, you know, and I'll share baseball with my son and I'll share lacrosse with my daughter, but not like I would share the outdoors because that's just a past page in my book, the baseball thing. This, this right now is just like, as soon as I got done playing baseball, I was like, okay, so like, I'm going to be a pro hunter. (laughs) You know what I mean? And like, I'm not a pro hunter by any stretch of me. I work a machine shop. I, like I said, I have a three 30 in the morning to go work for some other guy at a machine shop. But this, I just want to show them that like, you don't have to do that. Like if you have a passion for something, no matter what it is, it doesn't have to be the outdoors. Mine is the outdoors and it's going to be the outdoors until they put me in that wooden box. Like, yeah. But even if it's just, I don't care if it's basket weaving, like, in this day and age, you can do anything with mm-hmm. a passion. You know, it's it's not like it used to be. You can, I mean, I would have never met you. If I was right. doing this yeah. in the 80s, I would have never met you. And no. now, look, you're sitting in your basement after putting the kids together at 8.30, and I'm doing the same. Um, yeah. And it's just because of, like, social media and the network. Like, I know it yeah. has its flaws and it's kind of quirks to it. But, like, there's there's a great side to it. Like, I grew a whole business out of my basement. Through yeah. social media. And, Same. Yeah. Same, man. Right. So I think there's, it's just this good opportunity to show your kids um, that you don't have to do the nine to five thing if you don't want to. Yeah. You know, 
once you have responsibilities, you might have to like you and I yeah. both. Now, yeah, I, do I don't know. Are you do you are you not full time doing this? Are you? No, no, no. Right. No, so just yeah, side gig. Yeah, like you have responsibilities. So like, yeah, I got to pay my bills. Yeah. I got to make sure daycare's paid. I got to make sure, you know, I'm setting up for the future. But like in the meantime, I'm going to work my eight to ten hours a day for this other guy, and then I'm going to come home and work for myself. You know, yeah. it doesn't make sense to work all your life for somebody else and not no. attempt to to grow a life for yourself and for your family yeah. and show your kids that like you don't have to be part of that middle class if you don't want to be or if you're going to be part of that middle class and there's nothing wrong with the middle class i'm very much so middle class like do something you love like yeah i don't love building facades like that's what my company does we build skyscrapers like do i think it's kind of cool yeah it's kind of neat but like it's way cooler if i own a coffee company and i'm you know yeah talking to guys like you or you know the guys over at okay as bow hunter or antler feather Co. like that is the way to go in my opinion yeah just go after something you're passionate about that's kind of all i want to show my yeah. kids with this yeah. And I mean, you know, worst case in you know, 15, 20 years, you pass on, you know, you know, hopefully a legacy that you've built, you know, through our grounds coffee. And, you know, you can say, Hey, you know, this is on you, like yeah. carry on the tradition, yeah. you've, you know, worked a long time to build and, and yeah. run with it. Yeah. Holler if you need me, but I'm probably in the woods. So text your yeah. mother and she'll let me know when I get back. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. so exactly, you know, and worst case, like it doesn't work, but like, what's the definition of it not working? Like, I think it's a pretty cool side gig. And really I started it just so I could like raise money to like go hunt. Yeah. You know, fund, like fund your other hobbies. Right. To like right? fund this hobby. Cause I feel guilty if I'm like, Hey babe, I want to go to the Yukon and shoot a moose. One, I can't afford it. Two, like if this is a way where I can afford to go spend 20 grand on that moose hunt in a Yukon, like great. I didn't take it out of like the family's money kind of thing. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. And, you know, just kind of enrich my life a little bit, you know, and it's, yeah. it's hard. And you're still putting food on the table. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's very challenging. It, you know, it's, it's easy. Uh, easy is probably not the right word. It's, it's very achievable to have an idea to get things in place to, to start a small business. Right. I mean, maybe I'm selling that a little bit short. I mean, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah. But if you, if you have an idea, and you have, you know, a little bit of know-how and you you have the drive to do it, you can do it, you can make it look pretty achievable. Yeah. It's it's growing it. It's the business becoming scalable. Like that's where it becomes tough. It's you know, like you said, you built this out of your basement through social media. I did the same thing with the average conservationist through social media, right? And it's you know, along the way, like making connections and and finding, you know, like minded people that share the same views that you do and, and passions for the outdoors. And, you know, hopefully, you know, they'll help you spread your message because they like what you're doing and what you stand for. And then when you get into this, this outdoor community, whether it's hunting, or it's fishing, whether you know, just, just the outdoors in general, I mean, there's so many good people who want to help each other yeah. out. And I think that's one of the coolest things about the podcast is just how many cool people I get to talk to week in and week out that have different stories, but you know, everyone's different, but then again, like everyone's still pretty similar, right. In terms of the drive and, yeah. and their love for it. And it's, it's so cool. I mean, we said it earlier, like you're from Michigan, right. You're from Michigan originally, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yep. like you're from Michigan and you're, if I lived in Michigan, I'd be you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you yeah. lived in Pennsylvania, you'd probably be doing exactly what I'm doing. I'm, you'd just be yeah. slinging podcasts out of your basement, you know, <laughs> and going to deer camp. Like it's the bond that you get with people. Um, is it's a different kind of bond than like being on a team together. Like I played on a lot of teams together and I had a lot of friends on teams, but like my best friends are this, like our, yeah. our dudes like you, like this is just what we do. Like we get yeah. up, we get up early, we go freeze our ass off. And <laughs> like maybe once a year <laughs> we get to pull the trigger on something or, or release an arrow at something. And it's the highlight of my year, you know? Yeah. And you tell, you tell everyone that you can until the next year when you try and do it again. Until I do it again. Right. Like I, yeah. and I think it just completely consumes me and like, it just fits that, that I tried to do a small business around it. Like, yeah, absolutely. I used to say like we were a hunting company first and a coffee company second. And I think like parts of that is true. Like the hunting side of it pays zero bills. So it's like <laughs> all coffee, but like, I would rather have a nice conversation with you and send you a bag of coffee and then talk about that bag of coffee with you. And then you buy another one, then you just buy one. And then you and I never have the conversation. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm getting to a point where like I do a lot more of just selling coffee to people. And I don't really get that customer, you know, interaction. Like I I don't know how the customers are making their coffee. Like I love the fact that on Instagram somebody can message me and say, Hey, I love the coffee. And the first question I ask usually is which one did you have? And how'd you make it? You know what I mean? And how yeah. how was your deer season? Like if it looks like you're an outdoorsman. But yeah. it just uh it's kind of amazing how this whole thing's kind of come together. And I'm by far, I'm, I'm not like most people would be like, that's not a successful business. Uh, but to me, it feels like it is. Yeah. Yeah. We started with everyone's, so little, like I literally started, and everyone's version of success is different, right? I started this thing with 300 bucks. Like yeah. that was it. And then like my first big investment we just made last month and it was yeah. you know, eight or nine grand, whatever it cost for the machine and then building the basement. Now. But like, that is my that's what i love about the entrepreneurial like lifestyle i guess if if you can yeah. say it that way like i get such like an, an endorphin rush or like a, a dopamine hit when i see a sale come through on my shop yeah. app, especially yep. if i don't know the person yeah like if i don't the best, know the person it? it just feels like dude you made it for the day like yeah, Today's, someone from Kansas pops up. Oh yeah, let me try this. Right, right. and you're like, "Where'd you come from?" Right, and it's, right? It's, I don't know anyone in Kansas. I know it's so strange too. Like my big clientele is all out west. Like, really, I get killed in shipping. Like shipping is like <laughs> my biggest destruction. <laughs> I got a couple, and if they hear this, I want them to continue to buy the coffee. But they live in New Mexico, and they've done nothing but cost me money. Like <laughs> shipping them coffee cost me like thirty five dollars. Oh man. And I can't charge somebody 35 bucks to ship on my product. You know what no. I mean? Like, no. cause they'll bail at the cart or at the end of it. Um, it, but I don't even care. You know what I mean? Like as yeah. long as I'm not like actively losing money and like, I have to sell the Toyota to make it buy, like <laughs> I'm okay with it for right now. Now I need to pay for yeah. this roaster. So there's a little pressure there. Um, but we have some other ideas. Like we're going to start selling wholesale to coffee shops and stuff, which I think is okay. really gonna, it's probably going to pay the bills. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then like for the, sure. the coffee monthly coffee club that I have is probably going to be like more of a passion project for me until you get to a, until you get to a growth point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like get, you look at like black rifles, coffee subscription does like $11 million a month. Like, which is, insane. Which is not even fathomable. So <laughs> like, but I mean, eventually like, I don't want to sound nuts, but like, I want that. Like, I want that to yeah. happen. I want this to be like, the household name, you know? Yeah. You and gotta, I mean, you got to have that vision, right. right? If you really want to succeed, like you got to have like a goal that almost seems like unattainable because it's going to continually give you something to work for. Yeah. And, and I, and who cares if I don't make it? Like I can shoot my mouth off on this podcast and say, I'm going to be the next big thing. If I don't make it, that's fine. I'm still going to go deer hunt with my kids this year. Like, yeah, you know, and I'm still going to try real hard to make it be that. Yeah. But, um, it's not even about that. And like, when I think about like the company growing like that, and like I said, I don't know that it will. I just think of all the awesome, like conservation stuff I can do. Like, yeah, I saw like black rifle coffee just gave away like a $250,000 Bronco. Like, yeah, they built it out and raffled it off or whatever. Like if you get to a point where you're doing that and you're, you can buy land, and do like the, the land access thing that meat eater does. Like, you get to a point where you make money, like you can change stuff, you know? Oh yeah. But it all starts, sure. it starts here. It starts with, you know, yeah. the, the hundred dollars a month that I'm able to donate now or the, you know, $200 or $20 a month, you know, and it just has to, you just got to keep going. Yeah. You know? And like, and like you said, if, you know, God forbid things don't work out at the end of the day, you can be like, I tried my best. It worked for a little bit in the long run. It didn't work out, but I met a lot of cool people. Yeah. Made a lot, made a lot and drank a lot of good coffee. And I donated, you know, X amount of dollars to, to conservation in the process. Like, right. Still a win. Still a win. Yeah. It's still a win. And I mean, what am I going to do? And my, <laughs> my options are I continue to work at my job now until I'm old enough to retire <laughs> or I try to like change that or I try to do something about it. And as long as I don't sh sink my ship, with, you know, losing all our money in it, which in this, I won't like, yeah. why wouldn't I try? And why yeah, wouldn't absolutely. I sit here and tell you, yeah, I'm going to be the next big thing. Like, and I'm not saying I will be, but like, why wouldn't I have that attitude? It, yeah. You know, and it's not, 
like a not being humble thing. It's just like, I'm not doing this to yeah. lose. I'm doing this to win. Yeah. Like, and yeah, like better my life. Right. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. I never had this mindset. I have a good friend that owns a bunch of gyms. Um, and he's like Joe Blow entrepreneur. Just moved to Montana. Just got into hunting. Um, and he just, he showed me, like I knew him when he was kind of broke or like a regular guy like you and I. Yeah. Um, not that we're broke by any means, I guess. But you know what I mean? Um, and now he's got everything he wants. And it's just from grinding it out at the gyms. Like, it's just, it's possible. Like, and if you don't meet that person in your life, like, and he's the guy for me. Like, he's the guy who showed me, like, look, man, you don't have to do this this way. There's other ways to do it. But it just takes a lot of hard work and luck. You know, you got to get lucky, too. But. Yeah. Yeah. It'll never work if you quit. Yeah, that's that's the truth right there. Ed, before I let you get out of here, man. Yeah. And uh, get back to enjoying your night. Where can people pick up a bag of your coffee? Where can they find you on social media? All that good stuff. Uh, so the coffee will be back up, I'm hoping, next month. Uh, once we get the okay. roaster and the renovation fixed or uh, finished. Um, OurGroundsCoffeeCo.com uh, and all of our social medias. We have a Facebook group. Um, Instagram is all our grounds coffee cow. Okay. Awesome. Ed Speakman. Appreciate the time, man. It was great. Finally, uh, getting to do this face to face. Yeah. And, well, I get as face to face as we can be living a couple States apart, but no, getting to sit down. It's been super cool to, you know, from where you were a year ago when you just started to where you're at now, building out your own, you know, roastery in your basement. Congratulations on all the success, man. And look forward to getting you on here again in, this, in the future. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right, man. Take care of yourself. See you, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again to Ed for taking some time to join me on the podcast this week. I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast, Hardside Hydration, Stone Glacier, Go Hunt, and of course, 2% for Conservation. And if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And over there, you're going to see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media where you're going to see only positive conservation-driven content landing in your feed. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the episode again. Stay tuned next week. we got another good one coming for you. But uh, until then, stay safe out there and remember that conservation starts with you.